0: You're listening to Say Yes to Travel with your host, Sarah Dandashi.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Say Yes to Travel where I actually get to speak to all sorts of industry professionals within the travel and hospitality space and share a bit of their expertise with you. And I'm really excited about today because I have on David Lund, who is the hotel financial coach. Have you heard of a hotel financial coach? Probably not. So that's why you need to know David Lund and he's amazing. He makes talking about the finances of hotels understandable, relatable, and quite frankly, that's what we all need, uh, certainly for all of us within the industry. Um, And I know I probably haven't given him enough credit in the introduction, but I wanna go ahead and bring him on. David, thank you so, so much for joining me today.
0: Hey, Sarah. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Uh, thank you.
1: Yeah, of course. Of course. So why don't we just dive right in and give everyone, you know, um, a bit of your background. So would love to hear a bit more of kind of your background. And then how did you how did you become the hotel financial coach?
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, well, I worked for Fairmont Hotels for almost my entire career, just a little bit over 30 years, uh, mostly in Canada, but also in the States. My last uh, day job was at the Fairmont San Francisco. I was the regional controller for California. And um, several years uh, ago, I discovered something that was really missing in a, in our industry. And that was that we don't educate the non-financial people in our um, management teams. So I actually created, um, and it wasn't my idea, it was kind of uh, an ultimatum, but um, I created a workshop where I um, taught the department managers, what the PL was all about, how to read it, um, how to bring, uh, this understanding into the, their careers and their lives. And it was really a hit. And I knew right away I was onto something because I'm not really an accountant. I started out the first 10 years of my hotel career in operations. And by twist of fate, I ended up in accounting. One of these other, um, you know, meltdowns in our, uh, um, financial world. And um, one thing led to another. And I ended up in an accounting job, which I thought was terrible at the time, but it actually worked out really well. Um, and like I say, I could really see that something was missing. So I left my day job about eight years ago. It'll be eight years in April. And um, I started my own business. I went to coaching school. I really took the bull by the horns and created uh, a lot of content that I really thought people would find interesting and and accessible. Um, and that's how I started. And, uh, you know, I, I have pivoted online, obviously like everybody in the last year or so with, with, with COVID, but, uh, I do online workshops. Um, I do one-on-one mentoring. I speak at events. So yeah, that's it. That's my history. I'm, I'm from Canada originally. Mm-hmm. I live in Maine.
1: I can hear a little bit of the Canadian accent there. hey a, a,
0: Absolutely.
1: Oh, that's great. Well, so, and you did touch on this a bit, you know, certainly in regards to your business uh, pivoting. um, But I'd love to hear more uh, from you in regards to hotels and everything. So naturally, we all know we've lived through this. The pandemic had a huge hit on hotels. Um, But I mean, what would you say in a nutshell? What challenges were you seeing? And what do you think like the most important lessons from the pandemic has been for um for hotel leaders.
0: Yeah, well, as you know and as your listeners know, there was, you know, mass layoffs and furloughs. And maybe even somewhat unfortunately, the ones that were left behind, they have now have multiple jobs and they probably are working harder than they've ever worked in their life. But, so, that's obviously a huge challenge for everybody. Um, but I really think the lesson is that we need to be as leaders, we need to be fully functional and what I mean by that is we need to be able to look after our guests and our, our colleagues and manage our department, but we also need to be able to manage our numbers. And, you know, I think as well, we need to realize that in the last 10 years or so we had a hundred straight months of RevPAR gains in North America, huge gains. So, wow. you know, from that, you know, develop some complacency. And like JFK said, you know, A high tide floats all boats. So to be successful in the last 10 years in the hotel business has not been that challenging because there's been so much demand and so many new hotels built. But I think more than anything for leaders and for hoteliers, we need to know and we've learned a lesson to expect the unexpected and to plan for a rainy day and be ready for what's next.
1: That is such a great point. And, you know, I think obviously all, all too often people are just looking at now and kind of, you know, obviously panicking now, like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? What are we doing? Oh, but you bring up a really great point. And I didn't even realize that that was a hundred straight months yeah. um, to just show you that there has been this success. And, you know, I, I know you and I have spoken about this before, but you're certainly a firm believer that it's obviously it's coming back. We just have to navigate you know, things in the interim. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, but it it is a really good point that it's like, okay, now, now we're really forced to, before we were able to maybe float a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's like, oh, now now let's see the swimming skills of everyone. (laughs) So to speak. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So with that being said, what can hotels do to put themselves in a better position for a stronger recovery? Because we know it's happening. Um, but what can what can hotels do? And I get it. I know this is a loaded question, but maybe you can share a few nuggets for us to think about. Well,
0: one that I often think about is we really need to reinvent ourselves. And that's tough when um, things are going well. Who wants to do that, right? But now mm-hmm. we're presented yeah. with an opportunity. Um, and I look at it this way what if hotels actually didn't exist and somebody was dreaming this up in Silicon Valley and they came up with a new app and the app was called hotels. (laughs) What would (laughs) they look like? And I think the number one thing that would not be there is we would not have the kind of, I call it the departmentality that we have inside of the hotels
1: where everything's
0: very structured. Everything's very siloed. Um, We would move to a model where things I believe would be less departmentalized and more multifunctional. And when we think about that, you think about hotels in its most um, natural state. It's like a family business. And, you know, we all are running um, every single department, checking people in and cleaning the rooms and cooking the food and serving the people. And one hour you're doing something, another hour you're doing something else. I think that part of that is what needs to come full circle back into our world and we need to embrace technology, um, we need to really get a hold of our numbers. And and think about this, like half of the hotels that I talk to, um, they don't do monthly financial statements. They get their financial uh-huh. statements once a year from their accountant. So can you uh-huh. imagine running your business and not knowing what the score is from one month to the <laughs> next? So right away, that's something that we need to embrace, monthly financial statements. Um, And as well, I hear this from hoteliers all the time that they can't do something because it would be terrible for service or, or even that, you know, their franchise agreement doesn't allow them to leave the desk unoccupied from midnight till 4am or something like that. We need to push back. We need to take chances. Uh, We need to realize that this is an opportunity for us to reinvent ourselves.
1: I love that. And you, you did, you shared some nuggets right there. So for those of you that are um, listening, at, you know, at home or at work, definitely, you know, make sure that you took some note, take notes because you, you know, but you brought up some really good points and, and it's, it's interesting. And I, I actually really love how you said, you know, if we were just like coming up with the concept of hotels now, which is so foreign, it's so hard to imagine, but if you were like, what would that look like? And that, it's interesting what you're saying about like the positions and that maybe not being so siloed. I believe Citizen M um, is a hotel company that they're kind of doing away with such specific roles and having uh, training their staff to do a multitude of, of roles. As a as a, for, a former professional concierge, I don't know how I feel about that, but I mean, in, <laughs> as running a business, I definitely agree that I think that that is a an interesting way to go about it. Maybe not appropriate for all hotels, just depending on, you know, r- rooms, like the number of rooms, even the demographics and, and what you're actually, you know, what the actual property is. But I think that's something that should absolutely be explored if it makes sense for a property. So that was a really great point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. I,
0: mm-hmm. Well, just think about this. Like if you're, you're a professional concierge, but there's a busy time of the day for the desk as a concierge, right? When is it?
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, the Two busy times of the day. One will be kind of between that morning, that 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. hour, getting people out the door. And then in the latter part of the day, kind of between 3 and 5, people kind of figuring out what they're doing then for the evening.
0: Right. So imagine then if you're the owner of the hotel, you would look at that and go, well, you know, I want my the Sarah's of the world to be able to run the concierge desk and give my guests amazing service and great ideas for their stay and to love that part of it. But I also want to be able to um, check the arrivals and um, be able to um, help at the front desk and be able to, you know, move over to reservations and answer the phones for a couple of hours if that is appropriate. So thinking about that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody needs to realize that we're not an island, um, unto yes, ourselves.
1: That is true. And I mean, I, I have been known to to roll up my sleeves and definitely do things that are not certainly within the normal realm of, of concierge. Although I always like to say that in general, the concierge are probably one of the most resourceful, uh, positions on, um, Absolutely. you know, in, in a hotel, because it's like, we just got to get it done, you know, and yep. it's, you know, um, but you do bring up a really good point And, you know, it is. I mean, I think that's like what part of the beauty of hotels is that there is this teamwork, you know, and we all. Yes, we might have specific roles, but it's ultimately that working together to get the final product or the final experience out there and to execute. That's that's the special stuff that we all really enjoy. Um, so w- want to actually talk a bit about leadership. I know that you are your wealth of knowledge in regards to this, and leadership is certainly it's important so first, could you explain what financial leadership is? We've discussed it, but I'd love for you to share that and then how can we consider um that like how can we consider that when uh, GMs and owners are looking for, um, like what their GMs and owners are looking for when it comes to hiring senior leadership. So, the two parts like, first, let's talk about financial leadership, and then what should GMs and owners look for when it comes to hiring senior leadership?
0: Yeah. So, financial leadership is not accounting. Your hotel has <laughs> an accounting department. They do the heavy lifting, they do the month end statements, they balance the books, they look after the cash and the assets and the liabilities and all that in depth stuff. Your job as a hotel professional who wants to get ahead into senior leadership is to be able to um, manage your departmental numbers, manage your payroll, manage your expenses so that you can run your department effectively and efficiently. And to do that, you really kind of just need to get fascinated by what's in the middle of your financial statement. What are your expenses, Um, What's your um, payroll, and how does all of that come together so that You as a department manager can control it. You know, if business is uh, really quiet today, what can you do? If the forecast for this month, the occupancy is X, what does that relate to you and how you staff and how you run your department? And basically what that is, is that senior leaders need to know their numbers. They need to have um, business acumen. And a really good friend of mine, who's got a very senior role inside of a huge brand, they interviewed her and she, they asked uh, her in this interview, what was the number one skill she looks for when she's hiring GMs? And she said, financial acumen. They need to know that. Because wow. that's, what, that's what owners want to talk about. Uh, owners aren't really interested in service or in, or in colleague engagement, really. Uh, they're interested in the bottom line. So if you want to be a GM uh, or even a department head and an executive, you've got to be able to speak to the strategy of the business. And that's not
1: accounting. Yeah,
0: that's financial leadership in a, in a, in a nutshell.
1: That's amazing, and and so well said. Exactly, and and you bring up a really really good point because I think all too too often is that people think that it's you know it is just the accounting, but it is so much more, um, and and it bleeds over from just the accounting department. So um, so. Talking more about leadership and career advice, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but would love a deeper dive. If someone wants to transition or grow from a service-based leadership position into executive management, what should they consider or what would give them a competitive edge?
0: Yeah, well, um, it's all right there in front of them. And really what it is, is um, having a a plan to address what's... um, necessary. So again, it boils down to um, being able to manage their payroll and their expenses. But inside of that is um, how do I actually prepare my forecast each month? How do I prepare the budget? What is it that, you know, the director of finance and the GM need to be able to give to the owner and to the brand? And really what that comes down to is um, how do I lead my team around their numbers because as the department head it's my job to be able to manage the department so those are the key things that are going to give me the competitive edge is to be able to talk about um, my guests my colleagues but also managing my numbers and knowing what my job is as it relates to that because for a lot of department managers that's the last thing they want to have to deal with is the number whereas if you're presenting yourself to um, the owner or the GM, and you're looking for um, a position, or you're looking for advancement, what they're looking for is someone who can um, bring them uh, the results they're looking for, which is how to run the hotel more effectively and more efficiently. So it's really about having a system and following uh, a process every single month inside of the hotel, because that's the great thing about the hotel, is that every month, we get to start over again and do it again, because every month is a new performance. So if I realize that, and if I'm willing to apply myself and work on it every single month, I get better and better at managing my numbers. That's, that's the palette we're working with.
1: I love that. And it's, I, goodness, I really have to say, I'm so glad that you are on here. I've said this before. I even said at the beginning, but I just love how you explain everything because it, Makes sense. I think all too often, especially when we're talking about finances, or if somebody's in that position, and maybe they've been more of a, you know, certainly my, I can speak for myself, having had more of a service-based uh position, and now starting to be like, well, how do I even start about th- start to think about finances? It can be overwhelming, or you're like, oh, but I'm not in accounting. I'm not trained for that. And when you really break it down like this, and how you're describing it, it it makes sense, you know, and it's, uh, and it is about those systems and processes, um, you know, executing and being efficient and, and all of that. So yeah. think um, about this. I love how you. Th-
0: think about mm-hmm. this, like anyone who understands their numbers in the hotel business, they can look back to a point where they didn't know what they were thinking about or talking about when it relates to the numbers. But when they look back across that bridge, they say to themselves, well, that's really just a mirage because my numbers really aren't that difficult. And it's actually fun to be able to, speak to the numbers and to speak to the strategy of the business. So it's not, it's not difficult. It isn't something that, you know, you need to go to uh, university and study or anything like that. It's all about exercising. So if you want to get in shape with your numbers, you just need to start playing with them.
1: Yeah, and practice. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That, no, makes sense. So um, we're kind of talking about this as far as practicing. So what specific skills or, or knowledge does one need to have to properly manage department numbers?
0: Yeah, well, the two key things you need to get really comfortable with are your staffing guides. So in other words, what's the formula for staffing my housekeeping department? There is a formula underneath how the housekeeper puts the schedule together, you know, how many arrivals, how many departures, how many stayovers, how many rooms um, that equals efficiency. So understanding that staffing guide and the other hand with the goes uh, with that is how to manage your expenses and how to apply a zero base to that. So that if someone says, you know, Sarah, what are our rooms expenses? And specifically what are the um, amenity expenses? You can say, well, there's so much for shampoo and so much for soap and so much for uh, toothpaste, on and on and on. But really, that's what we're talking about. That's it. That's that's the extent to which you really need to be able to develop your skills to be, to be able to speak to those things. But underneath all of that, every month we're producing a financial statement in the hotel and there are certain principles that get applied to how that's put together. And it's key for me as a non-financial leader to understand the generally accepted principles as well as the uniform system of accounts for the lodging industry. Sounds really scary, but it isn't. It just gives you a format to present this information so that if you and I were talking about rooms profit in your hotel, you'd be looking at the same um, schedule as I would be looking at in the way it's presented. So what I tell people is there's three things you need to be able be comfortable with, and I call it DPI. You need to be Comfortable with being determined, being um to be able to persevere, and welcoming imperfection, DPR, determination, perseverance, and imperfection. And that imperfection part is really the key because numbers aren't like grade 10 math where there's an answer for your algebra problem. The numbers in our business, the first thing we need to know about the budget of the forecast is it's wrong. It'll never be right. So what we need to take from that is I need to have a plan to execute my piece, my payroll, my expenses. How do I do my forecast every month? Those are the specific skills. And the only way to learn those is on the job. And that's the good news because that's how you learn. You go to your financial person and say, I want to learn more about my forecast. I want to be able to be on top of my numbers. And I I know like so many people in my career have actually come to me and said, exactly the same thing and i said great this is wonderful here let me show you and they learn that's what it's all about so be determined persevere realize you've got to do it every month it's never going away the numbers go away um that's it
1: and learning on the job i love that because it's there's and i mean obviously you know it's always good to have you know extra coaching or, or courses and things like that. But learning on the job is really kind of like the best way to, I think, start understanding the imperfections, that part. Cause that, that, as you're saying, that's like, there is this, I don't want to say wiggle room, but it's like, you know, there's so much that it, it, going, calling back to what you said earlier, expecting the unexpected, yes. you know, or being, you know, and that's, that's, I think where that plays with that a bit. Yeah. Um, well, which is great.
0: Be, being on top of your numbers is what I tell people. It's the fast track to promotions and personal prosperity, being able to put it all together in your career. That's what it's
1: all about. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. Dropping all of the knowledge bombs here, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, so wait, so shifting gears a bit, how do you see the road to recovery for the hotel industry? Just, you know, a- as a whole.
0: Yeah. Well, again, uh, you know, it really depends on your location and the segments that your hotel serves. So right now, if you're an extended stay property or a resort, um, you probably had a pretty good year. Um, I know one of my clients has got an amazing Resort slash marina, and they had the best year they ever had simply because people want to go there because it's remote so think about the recovery from a segmentation point of point of view and if you're you know a group house or you know do a lot of um, business travelers, that's going to be the second thing that comes back and it's going to be a while, especially for the groups. but then the third leg is you know if you're you know a hotel uh, that uh, services a lot of international business, that's coming back last. So I really see 2021 as the first half and the second half. The first half is going to be a lot like 2020. Hopefully, in the second half, we start to get things back together as more people get their their vaccines. Um, and then 2022 and 2023 is about then getting into some kind of meaningful recovery where we start to get back to where we were in 2019 as it relates to you know, national uh, occupancies and, and getting the average rate back up.
1: Yeah. It, it, I mean, I think that timeline makes the most sense, honestly, just in, in everything, looking looking at everything and breaking it all down. And, you know, as you said, that reasonable recovery, yeah, I think I think this year it's smart to look at it as sort of two halves. And, and I can certainly attest to that, you know, go, coming from, you know, being based in Southern California and now working with a property in Portugal. So in Europe, um, I'm seeing two... V- very different, yes, um, <laughs> very different different economies, but at the same time, seeing the same struggles. So it just lets us know that it like it really is like it is global, like the reality of the global reach of it. Um, it, it hits it. It's um, it's far more sobering and it feels far more tangible when you actually get to experience it, as opposed to just seeing the numbers, you know, on on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So, so yeah, I think that what you're what you're saying sounds very sound and reasonable, um, you know, and and optimistic at the end of the day. It is optimistic. Look, it's coming back. And it's it's what to, you know, again, we're just how can we be smart in the interim?
0: Yeah, I think I think in a nutshell, we've gone through the worst. Yeah, um, it's not going to be all roses by any means, but um, <laughs> there is light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Yeah, I know. I I agree with you. Um, And that, I think, honestly, that's the most important part, having that light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, I mean, since we're kind of talking about this um, in the future, what do you think might be different in the hotel business after the crisis in our industry is over? Do you predict or anticipate any trends, um, financially speaking?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting question. So I know. <laughs> think about our business, there's so many different types of hotels and ownerships whatever, but what I'm going to talk about are, you know, the big brands, owners, um, the bigger hotels, what they've been focused on and what those owners and the management companies and the brands measure for the last 20 years, it's all been about Revpar index. And that's written right into most management agreements that if you're going to operate my hotel, you need to have a positive index. Well, That only talks about how much revenue is coming in. In no way, shape or form addresses the profitability. So I believe the focus is going to turn from RevPAR and RevPAR index to GOP per available room, where we start to measure profitability. So if I'm in a competitive set with five or six other hotels in LA, as an example, how much profit am I bringing per available room? That's the measurement of the future. Because that's what people need is profitability, not just revenues. Um, so that's what I think is really going to change. And there's companies out there already that are trying to, you know, put uh, horsepower behind those measurements and create that kind of traction.
1: That's incredible. And by the way, I'm also, if you could see my face right now, my eyes are like uh, wide open because actually in a couple hours, I'm going to be sitting on one of my first financial meetings. um, And we've been putting together, you know, kind of like projected financials. And so um, this, by this, the timing of this conversation could not be more perfect. So that's, that's kind of cool. And it's great to hear you explain that and certainly understanding it moving forward. So Let's bring it back to you. What is next for the hotel financial coach? What's going on next for you? What's coming up? Um, Maybe things that we should know about.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for asking. So for me, um, the big thing this year is I'm going to get my book published. Um, Yes. I'm looking right now at the um, artwork for the cover. um, And the title is going to be The Prosperous Hotelier, a comprehensive guide to hotel financial literacy for the hospitality professional. So it's not a book about accounting. It's a book about financial leadership for the non-financial manager. What I've learned, what I teach the people that I mentor in in my workshop. So that's really exciting. And that should be out um, in the fourth quarter, probably of 2021. I'm really excited about that because I think it's a game changer because there's a ton of books out there about accounting, but I'm not an accountant really. I'm writing about, you know, the hotel business for non-financial managers. And on top of that, in 2021, I'm going to be working with HFTP, which is an association of hospitality, finance, and technology professionals, worldwide association. And we're going to come up with at least one, but perhaps two certification programs where people can actually take a course individually uh, through HFTP. It'll be provided by me, but in the end, they're going to get a certificate um, of completion so that um, they can put some structure around their training and have it available um, throughout the world. So I'm really excited about that as well. And then
1: that's really exciting. Yeah,
0: no. So that and, you know, I still have uh, my one-on-one mentorship programs and my online workshops for associations and for companies. I do those um, currently as well as the other thing that's available is I have an online video course that people can um, self-study. It's over a hundred short one minute videos where you, know, you you can watch those anywhere. You have an internet connection, but you can also do it in, an, in a group setting. So if I want to educate my department heads, you know, I could play a video, you know, once a, once a day at my morning meeting, and I go, okay, today we're talking about the matching principle. What's that mean? Well, David's going to explain it. Here we go. Um, so, really excited about all of that. And uh, just being um, part of our, you know, community, and it's such a vibrant place. And I really want to thank you for making, you know, that happen on a huge scale. So thank you, Sarah.
1: Oh, my gosh, thank you. I am, I'm definitely gonna, for everybody that's listening, I will make sure to share all of the links so that um, that everybody will be able to connect with you. Should they want to work with you, find out more information about the online video course, all of that. Um, so I can't thank you enough. This is, been, it's been so great. And I just, every time I speak to you, I just, oh, I've learned so much as well, but I'm really excited for your book that's coming out later this year. I also have one coming out, so I know Mm -hmm. how much work it takes and I'm so excited for you. So definitely we're going to make a deal that closer to the time, right around the time that your book comes out, we're going to get you back on here and talk about it and, you know, just share all the reasons why everybody's got to get your book. Cause it's, (laughs) it's, and I I'm, I'm going to get one for sure. So, really? you got count me in. <laughs> well,
0: I'll be I'll be sending you one.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh, you're <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> so, David, could you let everybody know where they can find you?
0: Yeah, the best place to find me is on my website, um hotelfinancialcoach.com. That's one word, hotelfinancialcoach.com. And as well, um I'm on LinkedIn um, and um, I'm also on Instagram. Uh, but mostly on LinkedIn. Um, I publish a weekly blog. Um, So go to my website. Um, All it wants is your email address and you'll receive a copy of my free guidebook. And then you'll be on my distribution list for my weekly blog. I have thousands of subscribers and every week I write an original blog and pro tip here is there's over four years of back issues. People can read where I write about everything related to the hotel business and finances, and I make it a really fun, friendly read, so that you're not reading from an accountant's point of view, from <laughs> a reader's point of view.
1: No, well, I get your emails. I'm on that list, so I have I can definitely attest to the fact that they are absolutely interesting and useful. So um, we'll make sure that we we definitely have people go over to that as well too. So thank you so much, David, for, for joining me today. Um, and for everyone that's been listening, I hope that you took a lot from today's episode. I know that David certainly shared a lot of information. This is one of those episodes that you will want to listen to again. Um, a lot of great Uh, nuggets and information in there so um, thank you all again so thank you David for uh, joining me today and a big thank you all to for everyone that was tuning in Um, and be sure to stay tuned as we've got a lot of great episodes coming up in the future but in the meantime always continue to say yes to travel
0: excellent thank you Sarah